Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 105, and today we are going behind the story. I am your co-host, Nigel. And I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for our Behind the Story episodes, we like to talk to creative professionals across different industries to unpack the journey into that industry. And today, we're going to hear the story behind Taylor Campbell and Yasin Ali, two-thirds of the collective known as authors. So welcome, guys, to the show. Hey, 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 how's it going? Thank hey, you. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, we're doing good. Um, yeah, good to have you. We've spoken before. We've met a couple times before, but uh, I didn't get a chance to find out, like dig like really deep into your into your backstory. So yeah, we're going to do that today. Or well, Tazzy's going to do that today, and I'm going <laughs> to listen and take notes. <laughs> Looking forward to it, man. Should be good. Should be good. And uh, for people listening, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, you can always send us feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com. Uh, drop them in our Discord or throw them at us on social media. We are at mymatter on Twitter, at mymatter TV on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have stuff on TikTok now. That's like a, that's big news. Anyway, um, all right, Tazzy, on everything. Um, before we get to peppering these guys with our questions, let's find out what's happening in the Maya Matter universe. Actually, we were just talking before recording that there's a bunch of st stuff happening. So authors have got stuff happening. We're going to find out about Maya Matter definitely got stuff happening. So uh, we've continued our series, Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. This is our live stream uh, monthly series where I speak to a different comic creator uh, each time. And uh, by the time you are watching this, you'll be able to hear and watch the VOD of my conversation with Dutch creator Renee Rientes, who is working on a anthology. So uh, we talked about that. Uh, that is available on VOD for Twitch uh, until Tuesday the 17th of May. Uh, and if you are a Studio 77 member, you can also get that video because we'll just put it up uh, as part of the membership so you can get it after it disappears from uh, Twitch. And we have plans to release a new manga. So this year, uh, we've got some plans for new stories, uh, specifically one featuring Tazzy's character. So we're going to be putting together the pieces for a Kickstarter campaign later in the year. So heads up for that. This is going to be under our origin storyline where we take the real life Maya Matter team who we have turned into anthropomorphic characters and build short stories around their journeys. Um, so we've got plans for that starting with Tazzy, um, but over the months and uh, years, we're going to put that together uh, to have a cool set of stories to introduce people to more characters in the Maya Matter universe. So this is going to be a story about finding the confidence to follow your dreams when all those around you or most of those around you are telling you you can't do what you want to do. So something uh, definitely relatable, I think, uh, especially today. And we've got some rescheduled plans for our Studio 77 Games Night. We are going to be, or we have already done by the time you're listening to this, are halo infinite games night uh, so that you can also catch on twitch vod where we play halo infinite um, as we do uh, different games every month with studio 77 members so this has been shifted from april so this is now may and then we're going to be playing a new game um, from june and there onwards uh, you can also check out our past games night highlights 
definitely fun to watch because it's basically us uh, learning to play games most of the time uh, badly. Um, but you can see that on YouTube, uh, we played Roblox, Fortnite, Rocket League, uh, and other games as well. And with the spring, or as I look out my window, mm, I'm going to trust that it's spring. Uh, the news tells me it's spring, but um, we've got conventions on the horizon and we've got events. So we are going to be doing a gamepad event at the French Institute on May 14th. Uh, so we've already done our BFI gamepad event as part of the anime season. We are going to be taking a gamepad to the other side of London or to another side of London, uh, to the French Institute for a day of games, competition, and the chance to see our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign photos, which are going to be exhibited for the first time in public as part of the event. So we'll have the link to that in our show notes. Uh, you can come along, uh, suitable for all ages, play some games, and yeah, I feel like that's the sell. Come and play some games. And we've also got our Comic-Con panel, slash roundtable. I think we're going to have to change the naming on that. They call them panels. We call them roundtables. But either way, Tazzy and I will be having a discussion for our campaign on the 28th of May from 6 p.m. BST. So that's going to be uh, at Comic-Con. We've got a number of guests with us and we're going to be talking about the campaign, representation of video games, and maybe some myths around stereotypes in video games and looking to, looking to bust those myths. So yeah, it's going to be uh, first of few uh, Comic-Con uh, or general comic convention appearances. Yeah, looking forward to it. Speaking of the campaign, we have launched our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So make sure you're following us on social media where you'll be able to see the updates for that. You can check out the website, looklikeagamer.com to see the photo campaign uh, of which all three of the authors are in. Uh, as well as 37 other players and makers um, in the campaign to showcase diversity in video games. So we've been doing different bits like events and activities as part of the campaign. We've got things to come. Uh, you can catch the launch uh, segments that are on YouTube right now. So back in February when we launched the campaign, we did so with a live stream where we talked to different people who are in the campaign uh, around the topics of representation uh, young people, aspiring professionals in video games. So you can see each of those segments uh, on YouTube. You can also get involved in the campaign, especially if you are a young uh, or aspiring games professional. Uh, you want to get involved because this is for you. So we have uh, the chance to win a campaign t-shirt where if you take your own photo with the campaign uh, toolkit, template you'll be able to uh, be in with a chance to win one of our do i look like a gamer t-shirts so check the show notes uh, there's a link in there to win a t-shirt uh, for sharing your photo uh, and we have a couple of events we have our family games design jam where we're giving young people uh, parents and guardians the opportunity to discover the game design process by making their own tabletop game so I've been doing this a few times over the past few months in different workshop sessions and it's always like interesting to see like the just imaginations go people creating things from scratch with just like pen paper dice uh, card things like that um, so looking forward to this and the chance like I say to give uh, parents the opportunity to understand a bit more about like the design of uh, games in tabletop form but lessons that also apply in video games and then we have so that's in 
before I forget to tell people where it actually is. Uh, so we're going to be in the Redmond Community Centre on Saturday the 4th of June from midday. So this is a free event thanks to our sponsors, but space is limited. So make sure you sign up uh, either as a team or um, as an individual, and then we can put people together in teams on the day. And then fast forward to July, we have our Ice Cream and Gamepad Social. This is a networking event because networking is a key skill uh, in any profession, especially video games. And we want to provide an opportunity uh, for people who maybe don't know what networking is or maybe haven't had the opportunity to network and build that experience, that confidence, um, put them together with other aspiring professionals and people who work in the industry over some desserts and friendly gaming competition. Uh, so we're going to be at the Samsung KX building uh, in King's Cross on Saturday, the 2nd of July from 4 p.m. BST. Again, another free event. So this is a campaign that is proudly being sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage, uh, allowing us to put these events on uh, for free. So there's no barriers in that sense uh, to attend uh, the events uh, and take part and get involved with the campaign. So make sure you do that. And hopefully we'll see some of our listeners there. So that's all, well, uh, a good portion of what we're working on uh, at the moment. So now you're all caught up. Let's go behind the story with today's guests. We have a message from Splash Damage for you, who are one of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign sponsors. And they're currently hiring. So the London-based studio recently announced work on a number of new titles built in Unreal Engine 5. Which looks amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that, Tessie. It's, I'd say stunning. Stunning is a word I'd use for that. I've seen a little bit and um, had a few discussions about it recently. Were it discussions about how stunning it is? Yeah, and a lot <laughs> of people looking forward to what, what comes out of gaming with Unreal Engine 5. More Keanu Reeves, I think. <laughs> so you might know Splash Damage from their work on Dirty Bomb, the Gears of War franchise, Brink or Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory. But the studio is beginning an exciting new chapter with its own games and own IP. And it's looking for talented and ambitious people to join them. That means you, John, Alice, James. I don't know, I think I'm hitting people with this, <laughs> but you know, anyone listening. <laughs> They offer in-studio, hybrid and remote working options. So you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. I like that they offer different ways of working. I think that's very inclusive of them. Very inclusive. What's your favourite way to work, Tazzy? Uh, I'm probably a hybrid person. Keep it mixed up a bit. Yeah, I like some hybrid. Keep people guessing. Is he yeah. going to be in? Is he not going to be in? Who knows? <laughs> Anyone's guess. So again, you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. So yeah, we are joined here by two members of Authors. They are an independent game studio with a goal to create games that challenge the way we look at different cultures in entertainment. They have gone from team of designers with no development experience to having released two games on the App Store and Google Play. The team also have a dedication to creative, visually to create visually pleasing and culturally diverse platforms. 
So we will get into some questions. As usual, we'll start from the beginning of your journey. So you're all based in London. Uh, let's get specific. Which parts? Yeah, funny enough, uh, me and Taylor are both from East London. So I'm actually down in Boat. And I'm from Walthamstow. Lived there all my life. And then... Um, you're down the road from me. Yeah, exactly. It's a long road, but... <laughs> <laughs> Right down the road, and then Max, our third member who's not here today, he's from uh, Muzzle Hill, so North London. So, um, yeah, real real Londoners. <laughs> there's, there's, not, there's not many of us, you know. We, we're here, man. We're still surviving. <laughs> <laughs> Representing us in the, uh, in the games industry. 100%. And what, were, what was your relationship with games growing up? Uh, were they something you were both into, or did it come later on? I would say I've always been into games. I remember getting like, my first games console, which was like the Game Boy Color, when that first came out and being surprised by my parents. They just had like a huge box and said it was like batteries and stuff. And I was excited about that. And then I opened it and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got Game Boy Color. And then since then, I've kind of been addicted to, yeah, addicted to gaming, man. It's just really fun, as you know. Yeah. What, what were some of the games that you first played on the Game Boy Color? If you remember that is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I got Pokemon. I had Star Wars with the cartridge that had a little rumble pack on it. I had Diddy Kong. I had Miss Pac-Man. I say Tetris already. And I had another game, something else. But yeah, I just, yeah, I had quite a few games that kept me very entertained when I was younger. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. what about you? Yeah, my own, my introduction was um, when my older brother, yeah, when my older brother got a PS1, he got a PS1, PlayStation 1, and it was just like competing with your siblings, essentially, just like getting beat down and getting annoyed, and then figuring out how you can beat them. So yeah, kind of that that was mainly my introduction, and just like going going over to like friend's house, because sometimes they'll have a game that you can't have, it was just like, oh, let me just go play it at their house, you know what I mean, like a GTA or something. I was just going to say GTA was that? <laughs> no, you know, or just or just a game that you couldn't get back then. Do you know what I mean? Like you just just didn't have like Pokemon to pay, like pay get it or whatnot. And you knew your friends would get it. You always have a friend that will have the game that you don't have. So you just go over and just be at their house for hours. You just be on there, just like you're like, oh my days, this is so amazing. You know, there's always <laughs> that one popular kid who had GTA, and it's like, yep, <laughs> we we need this guy in our friend circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so yeah that was yeah that was kind of yeah that was mainly my introduction into games and just kind of yeah just kept at it do you know what I mean um I'll say I'm gonna say I'm a casual gamer mainly due to time it's funny because I remember my college student and teacher saying it's just like when you get older I'm thinking nah man I make time for everything and yeah there's no time for nothing <laughs> so yeah we both started quite early and uh talking of teachers uh and school what was that like school and uni like for you did you know you wanted to work in video games or did you have something else you was sort of working towards never i i never even knew video games was an option really like that that's never something like when i was you know like when you're leaving school and it's just like all right cool you're gonna go on ucas and you're gonna go and search through like what you can what you can become i don't think i saw gaming there or i just it was never in the realm of possibility. I didn't see anyone like me doing it. And I was that that stuff was too far fetched for me to even think of like, oh, I've got to be able to draw 
like the people that draw Jack and Dax so I say yeah well I can't do that so there's no point of even thinking of doing gaming um we'll just leave that to the to the experts that's how I kind of thought about it and being having that kind of more graphic design background I was just like yeah I don't I don't think gaming has a place for me so I that it wasn't it was a surprise when we, when we finally came to it but no it was it wasn't in my peripheral vision at all coming out of school trying to get those UCAS points for you I swear it was like <laughs> two years two years of <laughs> sixth form just like the only conversation that you had with your teachers was um how many UCAS points and you're like what about us talking exactly. about what I actually want to achieve in life but I digress <laughs> yeah, sure. but it's interesting actually adding on to what Taylor said like I think it's it's that educational of what you can do in a career and even now just going through educational stages like secondary school college or, or maybe university sometimes the, like the teachers or the tutors themselves don't even have like acknowledge themselves to give out to the students to kind of send them down a different career path do you know what I mean mm. so that's why like like now like kids probably have more uh, resources and hopefully they do have more resources to get more info- information about certain industries and career paths because they're not just kind of limited to just getting it from the teachers or the tutors do you know what I mean on socials and whatnot in the right spaces you can hopefully see different pathways they can go into even if it's something like for example myself i went to university and studied model making i'm an architectural model maker by my day job but i mean like if you just put yourself in certain situations places getting getting the right resources you can branch out if you've got the drive to do it Mm -hmm. and you've got kind of like the creative kind of ambition and drive so yeah Mm. so what was the moment that you wanted to make games and start a company around it as well? That was definitely um oh me and Mac all three of us, we've always wanted to work together and then me and Max leave uni before you, yes. Didn't it? Well no, you up when you up in London and you saw the you saw the magazine, in it? The Korean magazine, wasn't it? As well? Yes, there was a Courier magazine that my friend gave to me. I've still kept that because that is actually the start of everything. And wow. there was um a yeah, there was like there was like a little gaming section in there, like a, a page just talking about gaming, and it had a couple of studios. And one of the quotes from one of the studios is like, "It only takes like it was like three to five people to make a game." And then obviously we always wanted to collaborate and work together, and then we were just like, "Hold on, wait, if." one of us can animate one of us can and one of us can do the designs then surely all we need is like a programmer and then we've got a game <laughs> that was the actual thought process it was limited but that's what got us in it was just like well we, like there's three of us they said three you can make a game so um that was like the moment where we thought okay maybe this is an area which we can collaborate collectively in and seeing as we always wanted to work together it was just like kid so i think me and max saw that and then we came to yasin after and was just like oh this could be something that you could get involved in would you be interested Yasin was fully on board as well and that i feel like am i right yes that seemed like the the, the beginnings yeah of the, creative, the creative journey for authors wow i love that you kept kept the sort of like the magazine that, that sort of triggered it all yeah, <laughs> oh yeah yeah I'm, i can see it right now it has, it has to be kept page eight i even know and it's actually funny the um 
studios that is, is actually us, us two studios. And it's funny enough, like the stars aligned and then we actually, we've managed to build like a decent relationship with the guys in the studio. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, we saw inspiration from them a couple of years back and a couple of years down the line. Us having no knowledge or understanding of what the industry is, we managed to connect with them, which has been pretty sick as well. It's a nice kind of like revolve journey. That's, that's a really humbling cool. journey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. And you've just, you've just got that uh, memorabilia there ready for when the documentary is made. You can pull it out. Oh, you already like... know. Really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in its last legs, just like just nearly torn. Just like we still got it. He's getting that frame. Yeah. <laughs> So you said about having like one of you animating and, and one of you having like each of you having one of these roles. Um, obviously, that's important on a team. Uh, so can you explain what each of you do? So I'm the CMO. So I um, work for all our cloud branding, socials, kind of like brand, brand strategies. And I run our socials and kind of just liaising with an enter- uh, enterprises, companies, brands that want to just like collaborate and, and do like our admin stuff as well. So you're the, you're the business. You're the business. Yeah, kind of like the business. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm the CTO. So basically, I was the first one who went, not the first, I dove into um, programming, like doing the coding. And then, yeah, that got me the title as the CTO because I became the most knowledgeable about kind of yeah all the different programs and how they work the kind of technical things behind them and then max is the cco i'm saying that yes the creator yes he's a cco and he took because he was design as well and mainly animation that's the role he kind of took so he and he's had and he had that kind of role in his job as well so it was easy for him to kind of transition into and take care of that kind of everything design wise uh, in the games that we were doing so yeah that's our final positions but as as you know as there's only three of us we depending on what needs to be done and how fast it needs to be done we'll easily like just start intertwining those is that the right word or combining the roles um because yeah there's only three of us so if something needs to get done quickly then i might jump into design or i might jump into business and vice versa for for yasin and max and can you just clarify what CCO is so that our listeners know? Oh, that is the creative. Oh my gosh. Chief you, creative you officer. Chief creative officer. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, chief creative officer for Max, chief tech officer. That's for me. For the Taylor. And then CMO is chief you know, marketing officer. And funny enough, like, again, like, these are things that we learned along the journey. This is not how we started out. It started out with us kind of just doing everything. And then we were realizing that certain things were just getting left out. So like, yeah, like you all, when we kind of first started, as Taylor said, like we didn't really know how to design or develop. So we didn't know how to develop. Um, so we all started to try code, but then like the social side of it, our socials were lacking and then all these other things. So then uh, literally like a couple of years down the line, which was like, man, we need to actually delegate and we need to kind of like, one of us needs to take responsibility. Um, for what we can do for the company because essentially yeah we we decided like we wanted to take this further when we realized like we can make this of something essentially and not just like have it as a gaming project and then kind of that's when things start to get serious and just like yeah delegation and kind of just being a bit more organized is definitely going to help us down the line 
Yeah. And what are some of like the other challenges of setting up a games company? Maybe something that most people wouldn't think of. Okay. Business. So just the business side of, of running a company is actually crazy. Uh, so even things like staying afloat, do you know what I mean? It, it costs to run a business. A very yeah it costs just to exist yeah 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah especially living in london as soon as you leave your door it costs like straight away so if you've got a business it's even more so yeah it's definitely like one of the main things and we always have this conversation with our accountant to date it's just like making sure you've got streams like revenue streams making sure you're keeping afloat somehow and whether that's that you're self-funding the project or you're hitting grants I mean, whether you're looking to outsource things, whether to ask friends to help you, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, keeping afloat um, is definitely the main one. I was, I was just, I was definitely going to say like business is, is the main one. And another, I feel like another hard thing is depending on how you're, how you've created your company, like we were all friends. So when you're all friends, one thing, like when, when it's just a hobby and everyone's having fun making it, it's just like, oh, you can do anything and it, everything's going well. Whereas when you turn it into a business and you start to give each other roles, then it's like some of the fun aspects has to be stripped back because now you're actually doing something serious and you've got to kind of treat it seriously. Otherwise, it will fall back into kind of a hobby, if you know what I mean. So, and being in friends i i feel like it might be a bit what's the word you might underestimate how hard certain things are like you've got sometimes you've got to tell your friends the truth and stuff like that and you kind of separate your friendship from business. Like, your working relation yeah your business that relationship and understand like if you're giving each other criticisms and stuff you're not criticizing anything to do with your friend it's just to do with and everything's to do with making the business better that's how we had to look at it and that's what um, even max's dad was saying like everything is for the business you're not this isn't for like this you're not doing this for the friendship this is this is the like the business environment and you've got to treat it in such a way so i think that is definitely something that you might not think about when going into and if you're starting up a gaming company as like a hobby and then it transitions into like a legit company no, I mean, those Those are some of the challenges we faced. And you're going to be making loads of pitch decks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loads yes. and loads yes. and loads and loads of pitch decks. Unless you get really lucky and someone funds you straight off the back. So many pitch decks. <laughs> I think that's something that uh, Nigel's having to currently deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually <laughs> learned, <laughs> learned this very recently. It's like, because uh, recently started doing things in gaming that required other companies to get involved and, mm. and maybe get involved financially and then i just realized like the power of a pitch deck is like suddenly there's a it kind of it opens the door in a sense like oh i can i can tell you this thing but what you actually want to see is some kind of like set of slides or pdf or something yeah that explains it all right okay i got it now i need to get up in design uh put something nice together and then uh send it across before i say anything else <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but um, one thing we learned about pitch decks, especially when we've got down to getting through them, as much as they can be tedious, it is good for like self-development and actually having the time for you to break down what you want to present. Because a lot of the time you can have that idea just in your mind or just somewhere, but you haven't actually had the time to break it down. So when you have a well kind of broken up pitch deck, you know, you can go through those stages 
and then actually get to be like, okay, do you know, what? actually that idea or that part of what I want to do in my project may not work. Or you get feedback, do you know what I mean, from other people and then it can be like, mm, actually, maybe not that or you need to add that in. So yeah, pitch decks is, is yeah, I think it's a very important, more important than you potentially may think. And it's just, ah, oh, it's just a slide tip or just a presentation for other people. You can definitely help with your self-development. Yeah, that was a good little nugget of of sort of insight there. Hey, that's the gem. <laughs> <laughs> sprinkles, just a little sprinkles. <laughs> we love that. We love that here. And where did the company name come from? Was there any other sort of names that were at candidates at the beginning, or was it always the always authors? It's always been it's always been authors. Um, when we first started. We were looking at like get, like app games and kind of artwork, and we liked like the low poly artwork. If you go on Pinterest and type in like low poly, low poly three D art, you'll see a lot of kind of the thing orthographic that orthographic view. So we were just like, oh, orthographic view. That was the first kind of thing that we were looking at. But then when it came to like not seeing a lot of um black characters and stuff in the industry. We're like maybe we can tell maybe we can tell stories that black narratives our own way rather than relying on everyone else to do it and then we're just like oh if we're telling our own stories we're authors and we're just like okay we like authors but we don't want to we don't like the way authors is spelt then we're just like but there's orthographic that's that's the kind of view that people play games in on the mobile so we're just like oh author we spell it like orthographic but we just take o and r and take out the a and the u like in the traditional authors and then yeah that that spelling that name just just stuck around and then it's kind of got like a little double meaning but um yeah it's just it's stuck we like the way it's spelled like the way it looks it makes sense it makes sense to what we're trying to do it is a very visually pleasing name (laughs) thank you (laughs) there's just certain words that like look good written out and that that's one of them yeah yeah. It was the <laughs> traditional way. It's just I don't know. It just A U T. I was just like, mm, this, nah, it doesn't look. Like, I don't want someone to look at that and be like, oh yeah, it just didn't look. It didn't look as cool as O R T. Hey, I was like, yeah, this one fits now. That's that's yeah. my graphic eye coming in, just being like, yeah, it needs to look like this. <laughs> yeah, I I get what you mean. It definitely just has that yeah visual appeal of the combination of letters that. Yeah, original spelling of authors definitely doesn't have. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a bit about your first game, Tune It. What was it about and what did you learn from making it? I guess Tune It was essentially like our first experiment to see, actually that Max's first experiment to see if we can actually just publish a game. It was that thing of having designs on our computer to see going onto YouTube seeing how to put it onto your phone, that, that kind of transition working and being like, oh my days, what I've got on my screen is on my phone. And from your phone being like, all right, let's try to put it in the app store, to then putting it in the app store and being like, wait, we've got a game in the app store. Do you know what I mean? So it was just like, under, it was understanding that, that process and for us to, yeah, essentially see that we can do it because we've come from outside, I guess, the game development mode. We, we were learning along the way so it was very very basic it was just like a, a very easy like basic puzzle game but it was more of just us seeing that we can transfer our designs onto our phone and from our phone 
onto the app store. And once we've done that, it's just like, okay, we know how to put games in the app store. Now we can kind of just go ahead and just like kind of push on all the other ideas that we've got going. And even and even adding on to what Yasin said, pre like previous to us doing that, we were coming up with lots of game ideas. And we for the the two years previous to that, we went through what was that eight, seven or yeah. eight different developers and we were going and we were asking them to develop with us. And obviously, you know, it, it costs a lot to hire a developer. So we were just going there with telling them our vision and then hoping they would do it for free, which they kind of did. And then just kind of fell off because obviously they're not really getting paid so and they're not really invested like we are so after that two-year period of us trying to find other developers to help us max just took the own initiative and he was just like in this two years if we had learned how to do it ourselves we would have had a game out by now so then he was just like you know what i'm just gonna make it i'm just gonna figure this out myself and he didn't even use like the traditional like coding like c sharp and stuff like that he found um a playmaker and it was like a plugin for unity and it just allowed it allowed him to to create a game and i feel like that's something that like a lot of people should look at as well for inspiration like th- there's no perfect way to make a game and there's no perfect way to get into the industry max the first one out of all of us i was just like i'm just going to do it this way this is the way that works for me and him getting it on to the app store and doing everything was just like kind of kick up me and Yasin's butt just like oh my gosh like Max has Max has done it like this is it's working okay we, let's let's go let's go like this is possible now we don't need anyone we can do this ourselves and yeah that was like a big turning point for us where we we finally realized that okay we don't need to rely on anyone to to have our dreams true or to have have what we're looking to do start going like we don't need to rely on anyone anymore we can actually pay do it at our own pace because we know the time that we've got and kind of calculate how long it would take and stuff so yeah man that was a that was a proper pivotal moment that's pretty cool um and sort of how how was it received by other people i don't did talent even get much traction i don't i don't even no i don't think it did from from all our friends and stuff it was for us just giving it out it was received pretty well by everyone it was definitely a good milestone for us as a group to have to be like our first game on the app store like actually up and running and seen it on there and being like yeah we've got it up there it's looking dope <laughs> and like having have having a little party at max is just in his little bedroom and being like yeah <laughs> we got up there. i just remember like every just like clashing drinks just like yeah man, we made it mom we made it <laughs> you know what i mean so I think it was definitely received well from us and as Taylor's saying, like our close circle, like family and what we're definitely proud of us to just put kind of what we've been wanting to do up in the stores and see it active. I think it's just a very important thing to to celebrate those milestones and those achievements. Yeah. Because I think it can be so easy to sort of be like, well, on to the next thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super important. I think it, it's definitely it's definitely important to Take a moment after you finish the project, definitely towards the end of a project whilst you like go out just to like adjust it in. Look, it's a week or so just to like just take your time, like just to analyze what you've done, how things have gone. Because like you said, it can get very easy to just like kind of just like go past the milestone and walk over and be like, oh, on to the next thing. And then next thing you know, like you just feel like you probably just like run yourself out 
like super tired. I just feel like you you never get time to. Um, am I going to say this? I'm going to say this phrase really wrong. I've just forgot the phrase now, so I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say eat your own fruits, but that's not the one that I was going to say. <laughs> that's not the time I knew it was a. But yeah, just to enjoy what you've done. Do you know what I mean? I actually, kind of enjoy the fruits of your labor. That's, is that, that what you think? Hey. That's the one. I'm getting it. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the fruits of your own labor for sure. So for us, it was definitely that. That that was definitely our moment when kind of came out. It was just that. Damn, like it actually all works. This is sick. And I guess sort of bringing out a game more for like your first project being more about how like figuring out more for something for yourself than like, oh, we're going to put this out and it's going <laughs> to be great. Um, do you think that meant that you learned a lot more by doing it more for the experience that you gained than putting something out, expecting it to be like the next big hit? <laughs> That that also happened. That, okay. that happened. The first, yeah, the first game was was nice because it was just like, okay, we can just see how this goes, and then obviously getting it on there, we we're just like, wow, we've actually we've done some, we we've we've achieved it now. And then, but the second game was interesting. Me, this is so the second game is a direct result of obviously Max programming this first Tonic game, and then we were coming up with the game Dodgecrafts. And Yasin first started to um started to develop. Then I jumped in after him. But basically what happened is Max wasn't coding like using the actual coding language. Then Yasin thought he was. So Yasin started coding using C sharp. And me and Max were just like, whoa, that is proper hard. And Max was just like, Yeah, just don't tell him. Just let him he he thinks it's normal, so just let him have fun with it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's just let him play along with it. And then Yasin actually started getting, Yasin actually had stuff moving. And then I was like, wait, hold on. He's doing it. Let me start doing this as well. <laughs> so then I joined, we both joined in. And um, for the first month, we we figured out how to, how to get the ship moving. And then there was a point where, I think there was a point where we were, we were stuck for like a week and all we were missing was like a semicolon. And again, oh, there yeah, was like I've been a, there. <laughs> yeah, that is uh honestly like for a uh, former software engineer so like uh, a lot of time and energy and just frustration only to find that like, it's a missing semicolon yeah. like you just spent the whole day on something so that was that's why that i don't use just... semicolons in in my writing today to <laughs> like i just traumatized my semicolons yeah, just, like, all colons all the time semicolons nah i just can't, can't. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, yeah, man. So <laughs> so that's how we started on onto that game. But um, just following up on what Tazi was saying, yeah, when we were looking at this game, we were just like, yeah, man, this is this is gonna be sick. Man. Look, it's so cool, and we're gonna have us on there. Look, this has never been done before. We're gonna get like hundred thousand downloads. Oh my gosh, yeah, this has to get hundred thousand downloads. Got like three hundred downloads, and that just humbled us completely. <laughs> we were just like, what? Just like, oh. We didn't do marketing. And that was, yeah, that's the first time we got humbled completely. We're just like, yeah, we, there's more to gaming than just making the game. And that's kind of, that is actually kind of where our roles kind of came as well. Because we actually realized, we're just like, none of us did any marketing for this. We were all just focused on making the game. And it's funny, like, even now, when we talk to other kind of indie developers and whatnot, they, they kind of have the same problems, just like, 
oh yeah, I'm just never good at socials. I'm never good at like the marketing side of things. You're just so focused on getting the game out and building the game. And you forget that that is even still such an important aspect of your project of your game. Because I guess if you're not promoting what you have, no one's, no one's going to see it. And then when you launch it, that is just going to get spun into the universe. <laughs> no one's going to see it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was definitely a good humbling. And, um, so how many games and what are they do you currently have available? So they're about six, six or seven. Yeah, we've got, so we've actually come off. We're not on the app store and Google store anymore because we've got authors arcade, which is our own gaming platform. Yeah, we've, we, we, we pivoted and we've built, uh, actually Max kind of built it during lockdown, actually, when he was stuck in Barbados, unfortunately for some. <laughs> stuck in Barbados. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the stuck should be an air quote, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, help me, I'm in paradise. What do I do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, Max was kind of, um, building the idea of Office Arcade, which is essentially now our own gaming platform. We're able to publish our own games and through when we were publishing on the App Store and Google Store, we can see like we were just getting some restrictions and restrictions of like how we wanted to engage with our community, restrictions of the things that we wanted to put up there, um, restrictions of how we wanted to engage with like our customers and our users. And with Max building Office Arcade, it meant that we had more kind of and control of what we wanted to do, how we wanted to post things up. And, um, yeah, just have more kind of like design and publishing, um, control of things that we want. So on there at the moment, we have four games and this is where I'm going to get in trouble if I forget one to peak. So we've got Dodge Cross, you've got <laughs> Sidestepping, you've got Tunnel Vision, we have Shanty Stack. So we have another one, but it's it's still in um stack. We had six faces, mm. but that was on that was a prototype. So, but that's yeah. So that one's not you can't actually play that at the moment. But I think, how many is that? Five, six. So yeah, including including Tunnet, that would make seven. Mm-mm. Yes, yeah. So um, yeah, for us, we we um we were in a position where we did want to make like a big AAA title when we were pivoting from. Authors Arcade to working on our previous game, changing perspectives. But we enjoyed as kind of through the years and as we are still working through now, we don't have a full-time developer. So we were kind of playing to our strengths. So we enjoyed making like the small kind of arcade games because we were able to kind of manage them a bit better, explore kind of the design kind of experiments that we wanted to do. And also just like being honest with like the quality that we have, do you know what I mean? There's no point kind of putting yourself in a deep mm. end, like a really big project, and like it just becomes more stressed and kind of fun. But that was that was definitely a big pivot and point from us kind of switching from Authors Arcade to when we was going to start building our new game, changing perspective. And you spoke about um, you sort of learning different skills to help build the company. What do you use, I guess, to develop those skills? What kind of paths have you taken to get that education one of our kind of biggest ones is definitely getting mentors so um as i was saying before we first started the article of Austin games saying that it would take me like i think two to three people to make the studio we was lucky to have danny gray reach out to us and again like he's been 
very helpful mentor for us. So kind of guiding you through the hurdles that you may not see or where they do to, when they do come, do you know what I mean? Giving you the right advice to like get around them. Also, so Taylor does it loads, just going onto like different websites that help you just to help you to build on your knowledge on how to like brainstorm. I think Max, I mean, Taylor's usually on Medium. Is it Medium that you're usually on? Yeah, I'm usually on Medium and just a whole, just a whole bunch of different websites and stuff. Cause I feel like when we, when we made the games and we done it ourselves, like there was no, there was no one really helping us to do it. It was kind of like use YouTube and use your resources around you. And if it's like there would be certain stages where you would get stuck and you wouldn't actually know what to do. And I feel like that whole process helped the development of ourselves as well. Cause it's like when you get stuck in programming, you can moan all you want, but like the moaning's not gonna help. Like you've got to find a solution. So like go on the internet and start figuring out. You go on Twitter and you might moan on Twitter and hashtag unity and then someone will be like, Oh, I've got the solution. And then you're just like, oh, okay, cool. And then you're trying to learn how to understand. That's another thing, like trying to understand how devs talk to solve problems. And then yeah, just kind of learning all these things. You don't really learn them by someone telling telling you or going somewhere and them teaching you and you being like, okay, this is how it's done. It's kind of like trial and error. And through through trial and error, you just pretty much keep learning. And I feel like that's how we've got to where we are today. It's a lot you can find anything on the internet. Cool. Literally you just type type it in Google. Learn how to learn how to search Google. And that's that's the key to success, really, because the, all, all your answers are there. All your answers are on Google somewhere. Yeah, that's such an important one. I having done like different sessions in uh, in school, it it sounds obvious, like learn how to Google. But there's a there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of young people don't necessarily know how to how to Google or dig any deeper than the surface or like pick out the right piece of information, like challenge information that you're seeing, like get different sources just to make sure you what you're going to present is the right one. Um, not calling any names of people if they're in case they're listening, but uh, you might know who you are. You probably don't actually, so um, <laughs> but you're out there. Not that self-aware. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, no, you yeah, definitely like Google. Like even like you just saying, Google is learning how to or knowing how to use Google is like definitely an underrated skill. Like it's just. There's so many times when I'll be at my day job and people be like, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? And I'll literally go onto their computer and go onto Google. It's just like, I don't know. So I'm just going to use Google. <laughs> yeah. <so> <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't really don't. I don't know. But I think adding on that, I think also that can come down to like design process. So like you're saying, we've all come from design backgrounds. So when you kind of go off to start a project, you know, you've got to do some due diligence. Remember, it's about an artist whether you're kind of learning about a new art form, do you know what I mean? You you do you do these kind of self-consciously do these kind of workshops where you have to go dive in and find this information. So again, like I think that's where it's helped us to kind of figure out how we get our resources because it's like, okay, cool. And actually, we, we were kind of patting our backs on this the other day and we was just like, we do well with coming to a problem and finding a solution for it rather than just moaning about it and just hoping somebody else figures it out for you. And I think um, that's very important to kind of have that drive and just be like, okay, let's try to find some sort of resource that can help us get this answer. And if we cannot at all, let's try go to somebody who may know and hopefully they can give us the answer. 
if you can't do that, then then be like, mm, yeah, then be minus. Yeah, can find it. But yeah, kind of yeah, doing another full circle is just like I think our design process of like figuring out about new art forms, art styles, artists has definitely helped us to kind of be problematic and like learn how to break down certain aspects of certain things that we don't know for now. Finding quite easier to. And you talk about making games that challenge the way we look at different cultures in entertainment. How do you go about doing that in your games and why? I would say we've got for our latest. Ooh, how should we talk about this? Yeah. Yes. Because we've got two. We start. Okay. I'll start with kind of Kobe and changing perspective. Mm. And these were when we first started, these were like the initial ideas we had. It was to create like a black astronaut one of the things and then we ended up fast forwarding over the course of covid that period of covid we then um had a, a a concept artist that we were working with and we kind of just learned how to work with the concept artist and he he in turn was telling us that's like oh in order for me to create i need to understand the world so you need to have like a proper script and characters need to have a profile because once i understand like way in which the world is built then I can start creating characters that kind of relate to the world so we're going through lots of different processes trying to figure out how to make kind of a black narrative that way and that was going really well like we had our concepts down we had we, had, we actually still have the story which is really good however we got to the stage where it was like okay we have this whole story and everything but we don't have actual experience to be able to knock out this complex game which we're which we're putting together so we hit kind of a standstill at that and then we're just like hey we need to we need to make smaller games so then we were coming up with the idea of again another game called changing perspectives which was i think was going to follow the like just a, a normal a journey of like um, a black child coming back from school but on his way, he's finding like different problems of how to get back home. And whether that's police chasing him or different enemies, that was going to be what it was about. And in order to get past him, he would have to change the perspectives. He or her would have to change the perspective. So kind of playing on like the black kind of stereotypes and stuff before being able to change like the lighting or camera angles and stuff like that will represent the way in change the way in which different you can get past different situations if you change someone's perspective so these were kind of some of our game ideas and then we were looking for that we were looking for investment to get that done and then in amongst all this happening we had the author's arcade come and then we had like a kind of pivot point where we were just like okay this is now two big projects we've now got a platform where we can put our own games on and now we've got a big idea for a game we need to choose one and we need to choose the one that we think most will really be most lucrative and the one that we would find the most enjoyable so we were weighing up the pros and cons and authors arcade was the way to go because it meant that we could start creating games smaller games but be more experimental with them and trying to add in the black narratives to those games and then that's taken us up to this moment where we should be next month putting out um one of our first like our first black narrative based game called Saxon Space. Um, I've done a lot of talking, so I'm going to let Yasin talk about Saxon Space. I'm using a robot. I just stop. 
Yeah, you know that's the worst. <laughs> I can still no, no, I can no, still no. Oh, okay, um, I can still so yeah, um as Taylor saying, so now we're currently on our game sets of space and it was actually kind of our first black um lead character game that we pushed them out, which was really excited. But um what we've done is we've wanted to kind of push that vision of kind of become bringing in more kind of black designers in the community into our game. So and we've been working with our friend Ellis, which has been really cool. He's, he's actually been working on some artwork for our launch launch party for the game. Um, and like for the game, essentially a black astronaut. So we was doing some, we's always had kind of understanding why there's always been stereotypical kind of black characters and, and why they don't branch out. So we've actually decided just to see what's out there and do again, like do a bit of searching and, and seeing what we can find that's a bit interesting. And we came across an astronaut called Ronald McNair. Um, and we thought, yeah, do you know what? You never really see representation of a black astronaut. And why is that? So we decided to go down the pathway of having a game kind of based on, kind of inspired by Ronald McNair. And in terms of working with our community, we've actually got one of Max, um, one of Taylor's friends, Ram. And um, he's got his own studio and he's been helping us, um, make some, some music production for the game. He's got some some of his voiceovers into the game as well. And it's one of those things where these are a group of guys that may have not had the opportunity to have their kind of input into a game, but where we've managed to collaborate and work with them, they've now had a foot in industry. Do you know what I mean? They can understand they've got a they're part of a game that we've making a memory launch it was gonna they're gonna be part of a product, an end product where they've been involved in. So that's really exciting. That's happening with Saxon Space Health. Again, that we've been able to kind of dive into our community. We've been able to get other black designers um, involved in what we're doing. And when we have the end product, it's just like, it's just like they have something to look back and be like, you know what? I was a part of that. And that's something that we feel that's very important and why we essentially kind of side authors. Do you know what I mean? Love that though. And it's good that you're exploring like different stories and sort of looking into why we don't have <laughs> have more stories of black characters and then how you can fill in fill in that gap. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's making it a sense where essentially a sense we wanna make it enjoyable as well. We don't kinda of wanna babble bash you and turn to be like, Oh, there's no representation, you should this, you should do that. It's just like putting it in fun and creative ways where it's something can be subtle, do you know what I mean? Like you said, of just being represented as mm. a black astronaut and then you can go off and be like, Oh, I didn't know about this guy who won it there and then you find out like he likes playing jazz and then you understand that, oh, there's another form of music that I'm a genre of music that I might like. You find out something else interesting about himself or about another creative. So like you said you worked with our mate Ram, which has been cool, so you might go and research him and you you know what I mean, you branch off that way. So that's that, that's what we like to do is just like being creative and being kind, kind of innovative innovative with how we include black people and kind of black narratives in the content and kind of the gaming that we do just just to add on we had a convo with um danny gray from us too as well and he was telling us like when it's like when it's coming to like black narratives and stuff and trying to trying to push those things in gaming it doesn't always need to be they were trying to push the black narrative it don't, don't think of it as like the storyline needs to be black and this is how you can ex, this is how you can have a black experience in gaming 
think about all the other aspects like how people feel how like has their interaction with the get can you can you show them like through sound or through other like just through sight or touch or whatnot can you show them a black experience through not just playing it but through like your other senses so that's why we delved into like the voice acting because when it comes to games as well just getting let's say a black person to do the voice acting is one thing but we've actually got someone from our community who speaks how we speak and it's got a whole different vibe now when you play the game so we're we're into music and our friends has a music studio and I've just noticed when he speaks and he's he's been like a host on music on like rap mixtapes and stuff he's got like that that voice that you want to hear when when the host is talking on something so I was just like oh what if you add this if you add this to the game what would this sound like and he added it to the game and I was just like this sounds proper cool like this this you wouldn't hear this in a game and that's another way to to give like people another another black experience through sound if you know what I mean through sound that you might relate with more of the music industry but it's not it's in gaming now and as we know through games it's like an industry that kind of collaborates with all different types of arts one of the only industries that's accepting of nearly every every type of art there is um, so yeah, we, we definitely thought including including that was um, really important to us. So just different different ways to collaborate with different black artists or creators, and we knew that would enhance our game. So if it's not the most creative game gameplay wise, um, through the menu and through other aspects of it, it's quite creative in the way that we've added in different black creators and given them an experience as well as just playing the game or the experience you get you're getting an alternative experience as well yeah really appreciate that um so you were at develop brighton in 2021 mm. to tell your story what was that experience like and how did the audience respond you know what <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, what happened when we what happened when we walked into the room yeah i think so talk i think for me i think talking personal experience talks are very interesting because every time I'm on stage I always feel like I'm giving people laugh and advice I'm like I'm the right person to do this <laughs> and as people generally listen to me I'm like okay now I'm I'm doing this this is good everyone's gonna listen to me so doing Develop Brighton was like our biggest one to date was it Develop Brighton was so yeah it was it was really it was really cool being in that kind of like surroundings being being in a space again like one of the things that we were saying originally is just like not seeing yourself represented in a space some people will still kind of see us and probably don't to put us in the gaming industry per se or see us as developers so as Taylor was saying like we I think yeah we were speakers and we were kind of walking around and we were meant to go to like the speakers lounge bit and I think one of the um the security guards or whatever did probably didn't think we were part of the speakers lounge team do you know what I mean so kind of was just like, oh no, you can't go in there. We're just like, oh no, we are we are speakers, like we're meant to be in this space. And then we kind of just like didn't go into the space because <laughs> it's just like just wanted to know that, do you know what I mean? Like there's people of us that are allowed to go into this space and do you know what I mean, are involved with things like that. But we it's interesting because then we use it to kind of our advantage, you know what I mean? So for that we I guess for some people we say like you stick out. It's beautiful for us because then you get to like break down the kind of narratives of who can be, do you know what I mean, a designer, who could be a developer 
or who could be in a space which was really good and then like we were able to kind of voice that when we did our talk as well so again just being being in a position where we can be related to to humans essentially because I think there's a lot of people again that feel like you have to have as a, a serious serious establishment to own, own a gaming company or to do you know what I mean get your games or get to a position where we're at and I feel like a lot of people receive what we're saying pretty well because we're just down to earth in what we do we, we don't really try to um, sugarcoat do you know what I mean some of the up and downs that you have and also we I guess we've because we've come from outside of the gaming industry we've taken kind of different we've pivoted a little bit and we've done different things to help enhance our profile in the industry so for example stuff like how we do have our own like docuseries which is good by authors and that just showcasing kind of behind the scenes of how we run our company things that we do and again we took that from inspiration from like the music industry and seeing how for example you might see a Wiz Khalifa and you get to see who's behind the scenes and that gets you more invested into what he's doing because you get to see all these like behind the scenes of the photo shoots as he's out here in LA, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we decided to kind of bring that into the gaming industry because you don't really see that at all per se. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but we, we <laughs> use that as a very creative and interesting medium to have for us to kind of advertise what we do and kind of promote what we're doing in the space and how we're changing it. Um, so yeah, when we went to develop Brighton, I think we were just like, and what, when we do our talks, just like honing in on how we run as a company and just kind of taking off a bit of the pressure of, yeah, like being a massive gaming shooter and you need to have an investment of like a million pounds and you need to have this and this and this. It's just like you can generally be a group of friends that have a passion or have a hobby of building games and you slowly but surely build it into something that's either more business-like or you get to a final project and you guys can see it through. Um, is it true that Jinx TV wanted to buy by authors? <laughs> they didn't want to buy it, but they, yeah, we were, we were speak we were, we were speaking with them. Um, and I think who got in contact with us? It was someone, uh... I forgot who got in contact with us, but she got us in contact with like, the main guy over at Jinx TV. And yeah, they were interested because they're apparently it's mo it's mostly kind of esports stuff, but they're looking to diversify their content. I think in I think this year or the years to come, um, to have like more yeah a diverse palette of content, should I say, rather than just esports. So seeing as they've got a channel, yeah, they they were kind of interested in what we're doing because we're coming from different a different kind of angle, showing the ins and outs and intimate kind of insight to behind the scenes of running a black owned gaming studio and as i think there's only like a half there's mostly less than five black owned gaming studios in the uk and of those five we're the only one that's showing the behind the scenes of how how it's being created and stuff so i think that was like a major a major point but um yeah when we're, we we were gonna go with them but there's couple of things that we've got in the pipeline now so we might be able to tell you a bit a bit later on in the year but um we, we held back on that one for now we've got a few yeah we've got a few cool things coming up that we should be able to speak on soon but yeah you'll, you'll have to wait for those those gems are coming soon but jinx we'll tv did they did yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
cut, cut long story short, yeah, Jinx TV did get in contact with us, which kind of gave, it gave us, again, it gave us that kind of, a kind of feeling that we know what we're, like, we know what we're doing is good because we're getting people contacting us without us even going out to contact them. We're getting people contacting us wanting our content. So we know that our content's valuable, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of just another thing that lets us know, like, okay, we're on the right path. I'm kind of going back, so kind of going back into what you're saying about develop. I don't know if you realise as well, Tony, we were the only like gaming studio there. I don't think that anyone. Yeah, we were, and I think we were the first to present as well. And that was like it's cool because it's like we get to we get to be like leaders and we get to inspire others, like the younger generation. To, to essentially like try to take that leap or to get themselves into the industry or not just in, not just like that like youth as well just like anybody that may seem that they're not meant to quote unquote be in an industry or generally or not fit in but that's what's like again when we come to do our talks and when we did that develop and it was nice seeing people that were in the industry appreciate kind of our talk and like our journey and also a lot of like people that have been hesitating or people that are just about me getting in being like, oh yeah, do you know what? I like how you did that. I like you did that. It kind of, yeah, that's telling says that reassures that we know what we're doing and it's also a nice feeling that we can inspire other people to want to like, get involved or want to do something differently or be more creative. Oh, this one's a bit of a self-serving question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But you're in our Do I Look Like a Gamer representation campaign. Why was it important for you to take part? Firstly, I think it's important to support our other counterparts in the gaming industry. I think, as we were saying before, like collaboration is a big thing and making sure that we support that we support small, I say small community, the growing community that we have is really important because you never know like where we can help each other in the future, in the present, if you know what I mean as well. So it's good to maintain those networks and those contacts. And plus it was a um yeah, we saw the um and a brief about what it was about and we thought, yeah, this is this is perfect. And we we slot into it perfectly. Deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly there. Power of the pitch it was deck. perfect. There we go. It was perfect for us to to slot straight into. And we thought, yeah, we've met Nigel before and met, I met you as well Tazzy we were on the same yeah, yeah. team yeah we smashed it we won <laughs> there we go yeah like doing doing the project I'll say is equally doing the project because we liked what it stood for is equally as valuable as well as supporting yeah other back other counterparts in the gaming industry when we think like our visions can align or can align in the future and we see potential yeah, it's probably important for us to to support our group. Disclaimer, community. I just wanted to see my face on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, went, I went straight for fame. I went straight for fame. I said, you know what? I'm going to add this to my to my belt. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Portfolio. <laughs> <On my shirt. laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Uh, this is a random callback, but you guys watch Fresh Prince. Uh, I don't know if you remember that episode where... I think it's like Belby DeVoe came into the video and like Will and his friend were trying to get in the video and they were like, what are you guys doing? He's like, I'm, Will was like, I'm just trying to get to my room. And his friend was like, I was trying to get in the video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, when they're doing it in his lounge. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, it was, it was definitely what, what Taylor said. <laughs>
And uh, one of you, one of you bought a Nintendo sixty four controller. Who was that? Max. That was definitely Max. Okay. <laughs> definitely Max. He is. He is the Nintendo Nintendo fanboy. From yeah, that's. I think that was. He was the first person that I knew that had a console. Like we were talking about before. Max had the N64, and I think his dad—I think his dad got it as a present for his mum. <laughs> so I don't understand why he did oh. that, but I think he knew that. That's interesting. He, he bought it. He bought it as a present, knowing that mum would play it once, and then it was kind of like for all the children and his dad. And then I'm guessing I think Max was about three when he first when his dad bought it. Now my memory is going back. Yeah, Max was about three, so. I've always grown up being like, oh, let's go to mum. Can I go to Max's house? Like, let's. I want to play games. <laughs> I want to play games. And Max was the only person that had a console. And his dad used to read all the magazines, so he knew all the best games. So Max had that like, Super Mario sixty four, Kong Racing, Golden Eye. Uh, yeah, Golden Eye. Yep, Golden Eye. He had. Yeah, he had. He had a whole lot. He had a whole lot of games. So yeah, I forgot what the question was, but yeah, Ma- yeah, Max is the Nintendo. Yeah. I was just going to ask him, what uh, controllers did uh, both of you bring? Um, I brought the PS... I think we... Did we both bring PS... PS2s? Or was it Xbox? Basically, I think... I, I'm just a fan of all games. <laughs> I, I, I think I bought a PS4. If you bought PS4, then I definitely had the 360, because the Xbox 360 was a... Yeah, that was a great console. Yeah. And um, I'll sort of round off with my questions with what does success mean to authors and are you there yet? Oh, them questions there that catch you up, them catch 22 questions. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, what does success... Okay, success means for us for authors being the hub of black black gaming and black game, um, creation. I think that's that's our main goal. So like, essentially, at the moment, you still get people kind of figuring out where to find like your black developers, where to find like let's say like your black assets, where to maybe find like your black content. So it'll be amazing and that's what will be a success for us when you come to authors and you are able to find those resources. You're able to know that if you wanted to get a black narrative game, you could come to authors. If you wanted to potentially network with some black developers, some black designers, and you're coming to authors if you wanted to get some black assets. Um, yeah, you're coming to authors. I think that's what will be, I'll say one of the successes and what we would call successful for us. And whether we're there yet, we're not there yet. We've definitely just started. It is definitely one of the first steps. Like we've mentioned with Saxon Space, we've been able to kind of work with um, our community and other black designers. So essentially it's just moving forward, forward from there and hopefully being kind of at the pinnacle and being at the forefront of kind of Black creation within the gaming industry. I would. I'm. A, I'm agreeing and disagreeing. Well, I'm not disagreeing, but I think. Oh, you're going to disagree with me? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think we've been. I think we are successful from this standpoint. Like, if if we were to be like, okay, I'm. We're looking to quit authors today. I feel like if we were to start up another business, everything we've learned pretty much speed up that whole process of, of us starting up another business we would we would know about the pitch decks we would know about business opportunities that we need to make sure we know from the beginning we would know at all if we start up our company within two years if we get investment within two years i think seis gives us if someone invests in us they can pretty much get 50 percent back 50 percent of their money back 
And I feel like there's lots of things that we've learned. I feel like even though our goal is what Yasin said to be kind of kind of place that you look to for black creation within the gaming industry, that's like our goal which we want to reach. But I feel like our journey, our journey and every step we take at different points of success along the way. And I feel like we've been I even even in little failures that we have, we learn more about ourselves. Just learning that we can pivot is a success and you can only learn to pivot from failing, if you know what I mean. So everything we do kind of it's kind of, this sounds like I'm bragging. Everything we do is a success. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. You're trying to say all you do is win. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> you said Nigel, not I. <laughs> I so think yeah, that's a positive yeah. outlook. I don't think yeah. that's bragging. Yeah. <laughs> In each interview, we ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. We're talking video games today. So what advice do you have for our, for others listening who may want to get started with creating their own games? I'm going to say jump straight in and learn to fail fast um yeah just don't wait around and just just go for it if you've got an idea try and figure out how to do it and try and complete what you're trying to do even if it doesn't turn out to be the greatest just try and just try and complete those projects because where you're failing where you might feel like you're failing now give yourself a year and you'll look back in a year's time, be like, wow, I was I was terrible then. And then you look at now and you're thinking, whoa, look how far I've come. But I'd say definitely get stuck in. Don't don't wait around because you just regret it in a year or two's time. You'll be like, ah, oh, if only only I was doing this. So I just say don't don't leave it to if only. Just get cracking on it. And um yeah, just get get stuck in. Get stuck in. I'd say don't don't wait for anything. Just just have a go and get get stuck in straight away. Advice, I'd say don't be afraid to not know everything. I think it's important. So just like, I know some people, I, I guess that kind of go, kind of go in sides with what Taylor was saying, like just get stuck in. And um, a lot of people kind of get scared to dive into something because they think, oh, I don't know if I know about that. Sometimes it's good because you get to come about it in a different manner. Or you give yourself the opportunity to actually learn about something, um, which I think is definitely cool. Along the way, we've learned to not be so rigid as well about what you do. Sometimes you need to be a bit more malleable, be more flexible, whether that's like um, learning, understanding how to take on constructive criticism with something that you do just to help you move forward sometimes. We were saying before, somebody's not always just kind of giving you criticism to hold you back it is sometimes to help you move forward which is definitely good and are you only meant to give one <laughs> i mean if you've got another great tip i'm sure our listeners uh, won't be mad for dropping it <laughs> okay i'll say um they ask how, questions. yeah ask questions not the day like this is my cycle uh networking the power of networking and I think we were having this conversation before and I do just like networking can easily just be going into an event and introducing yourself and be like, Oh, Hey, like I'm so and so. How's it going? Um, can I take your socials? Something like that. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not kind of a CV thing and like you get an interview. Like network can be very casual 
and it can definitely go a long way to helping you just move further in like the project that you're working. Mm. And um, talking of networking, make sure you listen to the end of the podcast to be reminded about some of the events that we have coming up. This is the part of the interview where we throw in follow-up questions or random things that don't quite fit in anywhere else uh, and one of the things that stood out to me is not really a question just to like mention uh, I feel your pain when you're talking about not understanding the the value of marketing and I feel especially when you go into like creative areas like we learned that lesson as well when we were making our comics at, at the start we thought oh you just you just make the thing and you take it to the place where people buy things like yours and that's it <laughs> and, uh, uh, so we yeah. we took our comics to comic-con because obviously people read comics and we found out like oh no people need to know about a comic um <laughs> before they read it right got it okay marketing so yeah no definitely <laughs> feel your pain on that and uh, another thing that like stood out when you were talking about like time and time for games and i think this is something where for like for people on the on the outside wanting to get in especially for for younger people who spend a lot of time maybe playing games and thinking like oh i want to i want to make games because it's just this and it's more of this mm-hmm. um but you mentioned like not having enough or yeah not having enough time for games so for both of you have has your relationship with like playing games changed now that you make them for me definitely like that i can <laughs> I barely like, but I always I watch. Pe- I watch people play them because it means I mm. can then do my own thing. But be actually playing games, like I'm like okay, but this two hours I could have been doing this. That I'm, but some sometimes I play if I'm on my Switch or something. I'll play Overcooked or stuff like mm. it's a bit more calm, like a bit more casual. But um. The bigger games like a Sekiro, where you need a couple hours just to get in there. Like, yeah. I just, I've got it. Beat that first guy that was giving me the people's elbow, and then <laughs> yeah, I don't have. Like, I've been thinking of going back to it. That thinking was last year. Wow! I'm still, still, <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yes. Still, yeah, I'm still <laughs> waiting to it. So yeah. Um, long story short, uh, yes, my relationship was is I, I love I, I love games. I love everything about it. I don't actually have the time to play that many games now. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely looked more into a casual kind of gamer. And I think, yeah, I'm enjoying, as Teddy also said, I enjoying watching streamers play and like getting involved in the experience of the streamer playing the game and still feeling like you're part of the game. Yeah. Which is a I- weird one because I think Max said he didn't like that, which is interesting. Okay. Prefers to play the game. First to watch like gaming content than like someone telling you having a deep dive into Mega Man about how it was created or people doing the like, time lapses of the game, who can do it the fastest and those kind of things. But when it comes to actually watching someone play, if he likes what they're playing, he doesn't want to watch it. He'd rather play it. Right, Whereas fair. just me and Yasin yeah. are happy to just be like, yes, yeah, let's watch someone play. <laughs> I have to say I completely understand because I'm in the same boat as Max. Like if it's oh, a game it? I if it's a game I like and I haven't played I, like I want to play and I haven't played it yet, I can't sit there and watch someone else play it. <laughs> if it's a game I've played before, then it's different. But yeah, yeah, it's the same reason I don't watch sports. 
I hate watching people play sports because <laughs> I'd rather be playing it. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I don't have that with sports, but I kind of have that with games. Okay. If you did have like, you know, all the time, is there a game like out now or coming that you would like, I'm going to get stuck into this? There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon definitely me and Yasin, Yasin's friendship group, they play Rainbow Six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Definitely be on Rainbow Six a lot. I always like to go back to Metal Gear Solid as well. Mm. That's what that's my favorite game. I think I just always feel like I'm a little super superhero, not superhero, <laughs> but I feel like I'm a proper soldier going yeah. with guns and try and take on everybody. I'm saying, <laughs> man, loves me sneaky. I really want to play Luke. Oh, same. My friend played it, and I've been I've been like seeing that like, streams here and there, and I'm like, oh man, I really want to play. I really need to get into that. Yeah, I really want to play Deathloop and kind of give that a try for sure. Okay. And also, I want a PC because I want to be able to go on Steam and just buy all those little, the smaller games that don't get big shout-outs and stuff but are proper cool. That's what I would love to do because mm-hmm. I like games like Inside, how it's quite short, but it's cool. Yeah, I like I like those kind of short, shorter games. And I feel like, yeah, that that's where I'll be heading to in the future, PC PC gaming with the like, mm-hmm. maybe titles. That's a, yeah, having Steam as a... It's a dangerous rabbit hole, <laughs> <laughs> like, especially like especially when you get like humble bundles, and then you've just got like this library so much of fun. games that you need to actually get around to playing. <laughs> yeah, that's how they trap you, yo. That's how they trap you, yo. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That is cool. But um, yeah, that is uh, sort of questions I had. And uh, thank you both for for joining us. And like I said, I've met you before, but good to get an insight into your story and and your journey so far thank you thank you appreciate it thank you thank you so yeah thanks for having us on i really appreciate what you guys are doing smashing it yeah man it's going to look forward for the rest of the year and looking forward to what you guys um, have coming on and hopefully we can get involved with it appreciate that and hopefully people listening uh, enjoyed the episode enjoyed the discussion uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode uh, deep dives um, interviews also give us a five-star rating and review wherever they let you do that that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions or you can just share a link that always works too our latest manga serious through the fog is out and over spring and summer uh, we're going to be taking it to more comic conventions. Uh, you can check that and our other titles on the Maya Matter website as well, mayamatter.com forward slash manga. Uh, you can also join our Studio 77 Discord for free and consider becoming a member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top, our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign is now live. Uh, so we launched it to let future generations of talent know that there is a place for them in video games wherever uh, they are from so we want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry so we mentioned some of our plans our events a chance for you to win a t-shirt so you can check out the photo campaign on the website featuring 40 players and makers and keep an eye out for news uh, on our campaign events that are coming up pretty quick so all that uh, will be up on looklikeagamer.com stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creative interviews like these video game discussions and deep dives into stories across the pop culture and you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe 
is myamada.com forward slash story x story. So that's our episode. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned, stay safe. And remember to eat your five fruit a day, only if they're on your own fruit or if you put in the labor into making those fruits, something like that. We couldn't figure out the, uh, the wording, but I think Tazi will sort it out later. Take care, everyone. Thank you.